Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on TheBigScreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Welcome to Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Maybe the strangest episode we've done of the show. It's our version of the Twilight Zone going on here. Two separate rooms. Oh, boy, and then we got Darth Vader in the background as well. <laughs> I'm breathing through my N95 coronavirus mask. Not bad, Dave. <laughs> I had a childhood. What can I say? I can do hey, a very good Darth Vader. At least you're here. I hear Rick and Nick are self-quarantining in their respective houses and both are wearing hazmat suits. You know, fortunately, they were starting to dig up the yard. They were going to put in a pool. And they had the hole in the ground, so they converted it into an underground virus bunker. Seriously? They went that far with it? I guess. These I guys... Mean, I see a lot of swimming pools with a lid on it and a go-away sign. Nothing surprises me anymore with these guys because they are the epitome of paranoid sometimes. I think you said the word inside another word, pity. <laughs> we pity them, yes. <laughs> Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is indeed back in... While we've got all this going on with the coronavirus and with the pandemic, we are still still soldiering on. We've got plenty to talk about today, though. Um, we'll see how far it takes us. But we are sponsored by the Bemidji Theater located on Highway 2 just down from the airport. The Bemidji Theater, just like every other public place, public movie theater, closed during this time, of course, while we wait out the pandemic. But once we are back and once we are back to going to see the movies the Bemidji Theater They'll will be back. be back and we'll be waiting as well. And I can't wait to go see a movie or two there because, Dave, this has gone from just being, oh, let's introduce ourselves first. I'm Joel Hoover. It doesn't matter who I am. I'm just the other voice. I'm Dave, if it makes a difference. Dave Brooks, <laughs> to be more specific. Dave, you know, at this point, it's um, it's gone. For, it's so strange how this has all just kind of snowballed its way along here. We've gone from hey, they're moving one or two movies to, hey, they're moving the James Bond movie to November to the entire movie calendar for 2020 has been completely altered and it has impacted the entire movie calendar for 2021 as well. Yeah, I just read this morning that Sony is taking everything from their summer of 2020 slate and sliding it, much like the Olympics, to 2021, which... You know, we were kind of talking off the air. That's that's wonderful and that's great, and I, I get it. But why not just put them in limbo? These movies will be released TBA. You know, we don't know when this is going to be safe enough to reopen arenas and stadiums and movie theaters and barber chairs and all of this. So stay tuned. It's coming. And when it does, maybe even make it something fun. This will be the first movie released once it's safe to do so whatever that date is. So prepare yourself. It's not like you look at a date. It's almost like a race. You know, when the starting gun goes off, off you go to the theater to see James Bond or whatever the movie might be. This is, un, we're in um, uncharted territory. This has never 
happened before. Even World War II, movies were a huge thing, escape. Never, ever, ever, for reasons like this, have we ever just shut down a movie theater for, you know, months. But it's not just the movie theaters that are getting shut down. It's The, the ripple effect is something we're going to talk about a lot today. We're going to talk about streaming in particular. That's that's one area that is is getting impacted by this in in a good way for that particular industry. How does that impact the film industry, though, as far as the on-screen side? And I also want to get into something else that comes with that as well, and that is the planning and production stages for future movies. We had heard a couple of weeks ago the new Mission Impossible movie was being filmed in Italy and got shut down amidst the start of the spread of coronavirus in that particular country before it really started to pick up there in Italy. So there are many different permutations that come from what has happened with with this pandemic and many different trickle downs that come with this like you said and reference there dave the entire sony slate has been moved back to 2021 they've all got specific dates on them too but you raised a really a really interesting off the mark question of maybe it's the question that should be saved for the end but i'm i think it's the question that most immediately comes up of when this all passes over, when when are people going to feel that it is safe to go back out and to go to places like the theaters? And when it, will there be a point where enough people feel that way that these that these major these major film companies are going to feel okay with releasing their projects rather than saying, "Ah, oh, let's just try to boot it back to a specific date." Will they be willing to give a flexible return date to say? Let's be the first ones there when the general public is f- allowed to feel okay going back out. I think it's um, up to a lot of people. J- just to be clear, on the day we're recording this, it is Tuesday, March 31st, 2020, is the, is the morning that we're recording this podcast. Hoove and I are looking at each other down a long hallway. What are we, 25 feet apart? Uh, Scott and I measured it out the other day, 17 feet. Oh, well, there goes my depth perception. Normally, we're across a table that you're sitting at right now that's no wider than, what, four feet across. I'm in your seat right now to make sure that I can see you. Yeah, you like that? I broke that in good for you. Thank you, yes. So this is one of those things where it's as bizarre, and I don't know how the future is going to look back at this time. Clearly, I don't think we ever saw anything like this coming and the alarm at how fast it came. So why are movie theaters shut down in the first place? Give you a parallel. You heard about the choir concert. It was in Washington State or wherever it was. And they decided, we're going to have a choir practice. Out of the 120 people in the choir, 60 showed up. 45 of them have since come down with coronavirus and two have died. Because somebody thought, well, you know what, to heck, this is all over, but let's go, let's practice anyway. And now there's deaths, could be more. It's it's a public health risk. And it, if you don't take it seriously, then this is the kind of thing that can happen. Those that don't take this seriously, I can promise you this, and I hate to say it, you will realize maybe once it's too late that it is in fact serious. And when you do, I would hate for you to look back and, oh my gosh, could I be responsible directly or indirectly for these people getting it and these people perhaps dying? And that's why we're doing what we're doing. You and I being 17 feet apart, that's got to be longer than 17 feet. I'm just, that feels a lot longer <laughs> than that. It, it seems about right. It's 
about a three point shot or pretty. My close boat to is it. seventeen feet across. It's longer than that. It's not as long as that. So anyway, uh, it is one of those things where we're, we're taking those precautions, you know. And the radio, at the radio station where we're doing this, if you get sick, you're not coming anymore, and you got a lot of base to cover. So now someone has to cover that. And same with me. And I've got. You might hear it in my voice. I've got bronchitis officially diagnosed. Right. Um, but uh, you, know, you still get a, ca- a cough and a bit of a. Which makes people nervous because if you start, <laughs> what was that joke I heard? Uh, I used to cough to cover up a toot. Now I'll let one rip to cover up a cough. Because if someone hears you <laughs> cough, they, oh my God, he's got it. Isn't that funny how that's reversed itself now? So so theaters are shut down and arenas are shut down. And that's why we are where we are. When this risk passes and it is safe to go to the theaters, and that's kind of the thing, once it's safe to go and what that entails, I do think that a lot of us, are going to get this. I hate to say it. We get a lot of kids that are hanging out at beaches. There are police that are now issuing arrests for people that are violating. Hey, everyone, don't gather. And they gather. And finally, they gather and they gather and they gather. After enough warnings, finally, they start issuing arrests. If it gets to the point, like at the moment New York City is, like Italy is, they could take other steps. So if some rogue theater owner decided, we're going to show showings every night, come on in, and people start getting sick left, right, and center. You start causing a collapse of the healthcare system. At some point, people start getting arrested. You know better than to come. Don't come. You know better than to host these things. Arrests are going to be issued not to violate First Amendment speech, but, hey, you're spreading a health pandemic that's going to and is costing lives. Well, and it's that concern that I'm sure a lot of these theater companies, like I said earlier, are taking to a, into account when they say – all right, when is this all going to pass and what do we do then as far as releasing movies at that time? Because the film industry is is very set on the clock, isn't it? It, it is set on, we are releasing at this date. We are trying to, to angle ourselves to release at this date instead of these other movies. We want to release ourselves at a time where we feel we've got a really good tentpole movie that we're going to have a lot of people who are going to be watching said tentpole movie at this time. And everyone is trying to angle themselves into position to be able to say, we're going to get a good a good viewer response to this particular film that we're putting out there. But there's, there's no way to be able to really get a good estimate right now. And that's the challenge that it seems they're going through is, how do because you have to be predictive with this on something that you simply cannot predict. Well, how does this end? Does it end when a vaccine is available? Because there's no hard number as to how long that'll take. Half a year, year, year and a half. I've heard a lot of different things. I don't we don't I don't think I know, let alone we know enough about coronavirus. Is this like the flu? Once you get it, you're not gonna get it again, or can you get it again? Is this, is this like this? Maybe this ends the way that flu season ends. Some people I know don't like to go in anywhere public during flu season because they don't want to get the flu, movie theaters included. But you get to a point where that stops becoming as much a concern. The flu will drop and people are more likely to go out. Is that going to be something similar with coronavirus? Right. Is it just going to be a huge wipe and it's going to disappear as fast as it came? We really don't know the answers to those questions. But when, in whatever form it takes, what, we, we, we're good? We're good? Oh, okay, we're good. We're, the canary is still here. We're good. Then free to open up stadiums and games and bowling alleys and movie theaters. And when that day comes, 
I hope that, uh, what are we going to watch? Because nothing else is slated to come up anymore. You know, our spring preview, gone. You know, all those things we said yeah. are, we, we almost may as well take it off the air, but yeah, we'll leave it up. And uh, it's, it's going to be interesting how they're going to rush to fill in that void, still building in some time for hype. That's true, too, because, yeah, you want to have that build, that anticipation. But in some ways, too, I think people will, much like with the return of live sports, people will look at this going back. I think people will look at going back to the theater as a relief, a return to normalcy in some ways, although that is going directly up against what we are already seeing. We have talked about this in previous episodes, Dave, the streaming revolution. And this is another very unexpected and yet very massive moment for streaming where the streaming is the option for people right now, because on television you are getting, you're getting replays of things right now on television that, that are filling the void, but streaming as far as new content, as far as old content, that is the way that people are going right now to be able to, while they are being told to stay quarantined at home, keep themselves entertained. Look at the Tiger King, just for one example, on Netflix. I have not watched this show. Guilty I'm not pleasure. planning to watch this show. I've heard that it is just ridiculous. It's just nuts. But people are watching it in droves. Well, and, it's, it's like a lot of those shows that I if know. you really watch it and disseminate what it is, this is horrible. Right. People but are just there to watch the train wreck. I, I'm not interested. I just, I'm not. I really no. am not. Uh, nothing wrong with it if that's your thing. If you like schlock, that's but, okay. But the point is that people are watching it. Sure. It's it's there. It's somewhat new content, and people are like, yeah, bring it on. So you you have raised this question multiple times when we were preparing for this particular episode today. What is this going to do for streaming platforms, especially because we are seeing movies that had a wide release about the time that, that this pandemic got started going directly to streaming and in order to capitalize on that. We have seen that um, in several instances right now. We saw that with Pixar's uh, most recent... Um, Onward. Yeah, r- most recent movie, Onward, Call of the Wild. You mentioned that as well. They have gone directly onto streaming, and, and they're they are getting it out there as quickly as they can to capitalize on streaming being the option and the way to go. Yeah, The Call of the Wild came out in theaters a month and a half ago from when we're recording this, and it's already available on VOD, Video On Demand. Um, if you are going to go to the stores, uh, it's available for purchase here pretty quick. It's, um, But also some movies Is that had a D- release... Disney Plus yet? I didn't see it the other day. I don't day. think it's on Disney Plus yet because I think what they want to do is try to make some money off of it. Oh, of and other thing, well, I mean, you can subscribe to Disney Plus. That costs money, also. But just to watch Call of the Wild is no different than, say, watching Tron from 1982. You're already subscribed. This would be a different fee. So one of the things with a lot of the movies, there were some movies. I'm trying to remember which one specifically it was. The weekend that it was supposed to come out, and then all the theaters shut down, they released it anyway, but directly to VOD. It was a twenty dollar purchase, so it's like buying a movie ticket. Yep. But if you got a living room full of seven people, it's not $20 per person. It's $20 per view, and you can rent it for, what, 24 hours? I remember. I can't remember the movie, but I remember yeah, hearing I'm, about that. I can't remember what the movie was either, but it's it's 
There's been a general rule of thumb that when the movie is released theatrically, it's not available in home in whatever form that is, whether it's streaming or VOD or whatever, for at least three months. There, there's, there's, there's a wiggle room to that where it's not uh, you know, in the Bible per se, but roughly three months, no sooner than three months. If they can squeeze more out of the big screen, like say Avengers, then they will. But it's one of those things where could they just bypass theaters and get it to more people? One of the things I think we're starting to see with the streaming revolution, not even revolution, but you know, people are just delving into it because your lack of options is not just streaming, but media in all forms. And I think we've had such an obsession for a long time, and I don't think this is a new thing. I think it's one of those things where, it's, I hate to draw this bad analogy, but it's like um, like the cat people show that you were talking about, King Cat or whatever it's called. Tiger King. Tiger yeah. King. All right, there we go. When you're sitting on the toilet and you'll read the instructions on the back of the soap for this tub or whatever, something stupid, because what else are you going to read? It's kind of like that. What else are you going to read? <laughs> well, I'll watch this, you know, this dumb show about the guy with the mullet. I wasn't sure where you were going to go with that analogy, but that was beautiful, Dave. <laughs> so, so a lot of people, maybe it's a generational thing. I grew up with, say, one of the shows I'm watching right now is Magnum P.I., the original one with Tom Selleck. It makes me think of my dad, for one. He used to love that show. Yeah, the mustache, indeed. But I don't really like the new one so much. Well, kids today, or people, generations of today that maybe weren't around for some of these shows. What is All in the Family? You keep hearing about All in the Family. Is it a great show? Well, I don't know. Well, is it streaming? Yes, it is. Let's check it out. So people might be delving into things they may have missed the first time. Yeah. I loved Frasier, but I wasn't around to see Cheers. Well, now you're watching Cheers. Cheers is actually pretty good. You kind of go into that realm. Old movies, old shows, not always the new stuff. Because you realize new content is the crest of the wave. There's a hell of a lot of content underneath it that I'll bet you you haven't seen before. Movies, shows, whatever. And some of them are dated, but some of them I like to see them because they may be cliche now, they may be old jokes, but at the time they were cutting edge and you could see how they had, so to speak, paved the way for what we're getting now. Good example. I was just thinking about this yesterday. I'm probably going to start the West Wing here during great this, show. This by the way, week. I just yeah. watched that maybe two years ago. I'd never seen it until maybe two years ago, and I finally got around to it. Great show, loved it. Yeah, that's that one has been in my queue on Netflix for a long time, and I think I'm going to check it out here at some point. That's but a good show. A good example of what you were talking about there, though, of going back in time and going back in the past, and that's. That, that's what we've got time for right yeah, now. Yeah, you know, and there's and there's differences to it. If you've got different versions of kind of the same thing. My kiddo, for example, we're showing him a lot of the shows that we watched when we were kids. So Scooby-Doo, for example, and I mean like the original Scooby-Doo that yes. came out in the, in the early 70s. And love that. That's what I watched. And now there's a newer version. It's on Netflix. It's not bad. It just isn't the same. And it doesn't, it's, you know, it, it's not the same magic in the bottle. It's not just put the same ingredients together. It'll work because it worked before. Sometimes there's that extra X factor that just isn't there in the current stuff. But you look back, Magnum PI, for example, I've seen a few episodes of the new one. It's not bad. It just isn't special. You look at the original, and it really was something special. And I don't know if you yes. ever saw it. I know you're getting a whole bunch of DVDs from Scott, and I'll probably chip into and get you some stuff that you, we know you've never seen and build up your appreciation. Whether you like them or you don't, I think you'll have an appreciation for all of it. 
Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater as we continue talking about the impacts of COVID-19 and the pandemic on the movie industry right now. And in particular, we're talking about streaming at the moment. But it it is, yeah, it's a time where streaming, but also, yeah, you can't really, you, you're only as limited in terms of what is available on on streaming right now as well, Dave, as far as what you can see that maybe you haven't seen before, unless you've got a friend who's got a movie that you haven't seen, which you have plenty, and I don't know, have I ever loaned you a movie that you haven't seen? I've, yeah. I've, I have tried and tried to go. I, I've no, got, you did. You what, uh, what was it you loaned me? It was, um, ah. I did pull that off one yeah, time. You, you yeah, you loaned me a couple things. But and they must have been great shows because I can't remember them on the spot. The other day, <laughs> the other day, um, Scott loaned me the movie Twelve Monkeys for the first time. I heard about this. And I got and that to blew watch your that. mind. That was tremendous. That was tremendous. I, and and a, just what a movie for the time that we're in right now. In some respects, yeah, but it's about a pandemic. Boy, what a what a mind bender of a movie that was. Any that, movie that was really cool. Any the director Terry Gilliam was actually the only American from Monty Python. Yes, and he's from Minnesota. That's from, right. From well, St. Louis Park. I saw, though, he is now fully a British citizen, though. He but. is. He's he's American, but he's left the U.S. Uh, he's an interesting guy in any of his movies, and he's got a few out there that are just bizarre. In fact, the last movie that Heath Ledger did, The uh, the Imaginism of Dr. Parnusis or something like that. Yeah, that's Terry right. Gilliam movie. Yeah. You know? So it's the same character played by different actors, depending on which portal universe he goes into, which already sounds bizarre. And if you want to watch a really weird, mind-bending, what did I just watch movie, but it's good, is called Brazil. It came out in 1985. I'm sure it's not streaming anywhere, but if you look around, maybe Amazon Prime, uh, it's a Terry Gilliam movie, and it's just, you'll wake, you'll finish the movie feeling like you have not slept in a few days. You just, you, you, I call it Teflon brain, where nothing sticks. Everything just slides off your head. It just goes over your head and nothing lands quite right. Kind of like Twelve Monkeys. I felt that way halfway through Twelve Monkeys. It's surreal, yeah. and you just you, you're trying to grasp it. You think you are. It's kind of like watching Memento in a way. It's just, oh man, I need to see it again, like right now, because yep. now I understand what's happening, but I don't understand. I need to see it again immediately. That and, was a good rabbit trail. I, yeah. I was thinking we need to get get back to the main topic, but that was a really good rabbit trail because I had wanted to tell you that I had seen Twelve Monkeys for the well, first you got, time. The I know day. you loaned you Contact. Yes, Jodie Foster, yep. Robert Zemeckis, good movie. So, you have been wondering aloud what this this whole shift to streaming during this pandemic is going to do for the movie industry after the fact, and and you've raised some good questions along those lines, Dave, in terms of how impactful is this going to be? Well, I think you got a lot of different commodities, film included, that think of it like an actual physical product. Think of it as a crate on a dock. You need to get this product to the people, but you can't because they need to view it in close proximity to other people. Well, because of the way this media is delivered, we can't deliver our product because we're banned. But the same can be said about pro sports. Well, why don't we just watch pro sports on TV? It just isn't the same. Now, I like watching me a lot of pro sports, and we do this show uh, in Bemidji. Anybody in the world can listen to this podcast, so we might seem like we're local to you. But we do this show broadcast from Bemidji, Minnesota. I'm a sports fan. I like the Twins, like the Vikings, like the Wild. That's hockey, football, baseball. But that's in the Twin Cities. That's a three-and-a-half, four-hour drive from here. I'd love to go see, if there were Twins games right now, I'd love to go down and see the Twins open. It's supposed to be Thursday. Not happening. 
How many games do I actually get to see in person? Well, when you factor in drive time and a kid and a hotel and blah, 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 blah. That's maybe two games a year. Everything else. But it's else, a special thing. It's a real special thing. Yeah. So when the movies come, I don't get to see every movie I want in the theaters because I have a kiddo. You got to find a babysitter. It's the same kind of thing, but from a different perspective. I can't make this one work. But then there are the ones that I'm absolutely going to see this one in the theater because you can't beat it. And I'm going. Yesterday on High Noon, Scott and I were talking about movies that we wish we had seen in theaters when they oh, yeah. came out that we didn't get a chance to go see but could have had an opportunity to. And I said that the two that stand out in my mind were The Dark Knight and Inception, where I I so wish that I was at a point where I was able to go and see them in theaters. Dark Knight didn't quite have a car yet. Um, well, didn't have a car yet, and I was just getting into driving. Inception, that was the summer my family was traveling a little bit on, on a great trip, and I just I, I wasn't able to get the time to go and see the movie, and I, I wasn't at a point where going to movies was quite as common for me at that point. And I look back and I'm like, I wish I had seen these movies on the big screen. And that's what keeps... That's what I keep coming back to during this time as we raise those questions of is is streaming going to take over from a time like this? I still think for many people going to the theater is still a special experience that is one of those things that is genuinely missing during this time. Like you talked about going to a sporting event or it's it's why people go and they pack out the concert hall to go see a live musical performance or they go and they pack out the school auditorium to go watch a play or I I went to go see the Bemidji Symphony Orchestra several weeks ago for the first time and they were doing movie themes for their show. show amazing show the BSO did an absolutely wonderful job and that in person experience you just can't you can't really top that and we have gonna... talked about that on this podcast, of how special that is when you take in a movie. Going to see Lawrence of Arabia on the big screen, that was my favorite movie experience ever. Going to see a movie on the big screen is like, I'm only going to listen to my favorite band on my headphones, on MP3 or CD or whatever, or on the radio, rather than go see them in concert. It's a different experience. It's the same music. The movie is the same. They're not re-recording it each time, but it's it's just a completely different thing. But I think, and we've touched on this before, I think it's a cultural thing. If you're streaming yes. a brand new movie that you've never seen before at home, you're in familiar territory. So you're you're comfortable, and that's great. But sometimes movies are not made to make you comfortable. There's comfort food movies, absolutely. And then there are those that are supposed to kind of put you askew at ease or not at ease. And if you're in familiar familiar territory, then you already have something working against you. You're also distracted by other things. Well, the dog is whining. You're sitting there on your phone and dinking around and looking up and watching. You're not invested in it. When you're at a movie theater, it's a blank slate. You're in unfamiliar territory, yet comfortable enough that it's a blank white canvas for the artist to transform into the Mona Lisa or that really horrible exhibit I saw at the Walker Art Center. There's nothing different about the canvas when it starts out, but it's what happens to it. And if you are to, for breakfast, I can go, I'll give you a better example because I don't want to pull out some kind of a fast food restaurant. If I want to go sit in a chair from Ikea, it's quick, put together, it's cheap, and it's affordable, 
and it hurts my butt after I'm sitting on it a while. But if I have a nice heirloom, inherited, wood-crafted, I mean, a chair that's built to last for generations, I mean, I could sit in that thing all day. One is definitely different than the other. You get what you pay for. If you look at movies and media to something to be consumed, okay, next one, okay, next one, rather than a five-course wine-paired meal with cloth wrapped around the wine as they serve and they twist the body. They know all the tricks to make it work. It's an experience. It's not one that you're going to have every meal for. I'm not going to watch every movie on the big screen, but then there are those that there's no way I'm not going to watch this on the big screen. Are you going to savor it or are you going to consume it next? Have a McMovie experience or are you going to go? This is the James Earl Jones voice. Are you going to go and savor the movie experience? I really hope we're not romanticizing this too much because I think we live in a culture today that is about ease of consumption. And that's why that's why streaming has become as prevalent as it has, is that people want ease of consumption. They want the ease of, I can watch this on my couch. And right now, they have the opportunity to do so because they are stuck at home on their couch, essentially. But I think there is something that a, that a lot of people are realizing that they miss, and that is that freedom to get out and about to go take in this experience. There's that, that loss of experiences that comes with that time. And really, all we are doing with this, this whole episode is it, it's very speculative. It's very speculative of what is all of this going to mean in terms of the ripple effects, with streaming being one of the primary ripple effects that comes from this. But at the same time, it, it is a chance to, to point back to, I think, you know, something that you and I have, have been big proponents of, and maybe a lot of people listening have been big proponents of as well, and that is to not lose the movie-going experience as we know it, because that is a very distinct part of what makes movies so enjoyable, is the movie-going experience. It is seeing it on film seeing seeing that that film touch to it on the screen that's it's not digital you could tell that it is film and it's not digital it's it's not almost real life with the movements and and something that almost seems video game-esque in terms of fluidity there's a real quality to it there there's this there's this um cinematic quality that exists to it that makes it a little bit different but a little bit special to, to take in. And again, maybe we're romanticizing it a lot, but maybe it's because it's good to enjoy that part of it as well. You know, I think there's a big tie-in to not just movies, but everything. The more convenient things are, the more faster, easier, cheaper. I said that completely wrong. Faster, easier, cheaper. There we go. Cheapier. You lose something in the in the process. It's, it's something yeah. special that just isn't there. I see the possibility, and this is all speculative, but I kind of wonder aloud. Go back to the 1920s, because now you have to be specific, because we're in the 2020s. The 1920s were a time of a lot of different things, but the roaring 20s, why so much? Part of it was because there was a big period of no, prohibition was kicking off. Well, then they had bathtub gin and big parties like that. You had the, the aftermath of World War I. 
that had ended just a few years before that and people were coming back and life was getting back to normal and it was time to get going and Wall Street was on the climb and people were doing well to do and going crazy. When this is done, people right now are being force-fed a diet of, you know, stay at home and stream this and do this. And that's not saying that's not a bad option, but I want other options. That's why I still have DVDs. I want options. I don't want to just be at the mercy of whatever we happen to have streaming this month. Some things, not everything, but some movies I'm going to know at some point for whatever reason, I want to watch this particular movie. I want to see this bad movie that you can never find somewhere. That's why it's so great to own it. That's why I have it because yes. I can watch it. And when the last DVD player is made, I will buy several and keep them. Because it's nice to have that option. Plus, it's fun to stand in front of what is, for you, a very vast movie collection that is impeccably organized, by the way, I might add. Like, and yeah. to just kind of stare and go, what am I going to watch today? Something let's, is missing. Let's surprise myself. Something is missing when you go and you stream it. For those of you that were not around for video stores, there was something about it. And to this day, and funny enough, every every video store I ever went to in my neighborhood, for some reason, they were always located right next to a hair salon. So every time in the hair salon, in those a, mini mall type setups, right? Not necessarily, but you know, it just happened to be. And every you know, those products, they smell. So every time I smell something in a salon, I'm driven with the urge to find a movie to watch because <laughs> it's just it's association. Funny enough, every time I go get my that hair is cut. Funny. I want to go rent a movie. And so when I go pick out a movie, I can smell it, even though it's not in the house, I can still smell it in my memory, in a mm-hmm. weird way that sounds sense. But you know what we're talking I had an original point I was going to make that just disappeared on me because we went down the rabbit hole. But it was, um, there's something about this. And I wonder, okay, here's my, I wonder aloud. Here we go. I wonder when this is done, I would suspect we're going to be in for a party. We're going to have the roaring 2020s because people are finally going to be out. Yeah, I know. We're praying for it. Uh, people are going to bust out. You know, while, yes, there have been instances of negativity because people are in close proximity, you kind of wonder when they're finally allowed to bust out if there will be some sort of a baby boom or something like post-World War II. People finally going out and enjoying the little things. People being able to savor the better quality of things. Maybe somebody's going to allow themselves to go out and eat when maybe they normally don't. Because sometimes the dining experience, not everywhere, everyone goes out and eats and has bad experiences on on occasion, but sometimes there's dinner and there's dinner. Yes. I don't want to stream another movie for a while. I spent X number of months on the couch or on my phone or on my device doing it. I want to bust out. I want to go to a drive-in movie theater. And there's talk about even that being revived. And there are a few around. Oh, I certainly hope so. I've never been to one. I've had opportunities to. I built one in my garage one time for a date of which she fell asleep during. Oh. Not the same thing. But I mean, a real, real one. I have had opportunity. I got invited to a birthday party that was at one a couple years ago and I couldn't go. So at some point, I want to do it. Similar story. There was one pretty close to my college that I never got a chance to go to while I was in college. It's It's been a long time since I've been to one. Like when I was a kid. We went to one, my family did, but it's been a long time since I've gone to one, and I, I'm so disappointed that I haven't. But I think this is kind of what we're talking about. There will be sunshine on the other side of this coronavirus wall, however you want to look at it. And when we jump the wall, people are going to bust out. It's going to be a party, and I think this is going to last into the summer. How deep into the summer, I could only guess. I really don't know. 
But at some point, I think before Labor Day, the the tide is going to be released and people are going to be back to a new normal. But I think even beyond that, it's like opening the doors at, you know, super mega store on Black Friday, people getting trampled, getting into the store. It's going to be the same thing going out. People are going to be out and enjoying the things that they haven't been allowed to do. People are going to be at restaurants. People are going to be outside. People that are always caught in front of their video game machines after a month and a half or however long it's been already, people don't want to touch their video games for a while. And there's nothing wrong with those games. There's nothing wrong with streaming. There's nothing wrong with any of it. But people are going to start to realize, I think, appreciating the finer things in life, the better things in life, the little things in life, which I think is the secret of life because the big things are far and few between. This is kind of a big thing. It's kind of a big negative in a way, but there's always ways to look for positives. But when the day comes, people are going out and they're going to live it up and they're going to, I want to see the new movie. It's coming out finally. I've seen 1,500 movies on my little device. I don't care if I never see another one on the device. I'm going to the theater. It's cool even now seeing how people are trying to do things like that in a socially yeah. responsible way. I've, I've, I just see people going for walks, in whether it's one person or two or three people, like family groups. You haven't seen that in a while, going have we? Going for walks really. all over the place around my apartment complex, and I love it. It's great, and they, they're being responsible with it, obviously. But it's great to see that people are, are getting out and doing little things like that too. I, I think you're right, Dave. Um, people, I think, are, go- are going to be, especially if we can break this going into the summertime, I think, I think the, people this, are really going to need that. 2020, I feel, I could be wrong, but I feel this, is going to be a tale of two halves of one year. 2020 thus far, eh. 20, at some point, we'll get the, the apex and we'll get to the end of this thing. Let's just say for the sake of argument, it's July. I don't know, but let's just say. July on... It's going to be a whole other 2020 where the world burst out of quarantine and had the quarantine of their lives and just went crazy. Maybe there will be some, I know there will be examples of irresponsibility, but it's going to be something. Well, I think of a line that Sam Gamgee says in Two Towers where he says, in the midst of all of this, there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. There's a lot of good that's happening right now even in the midst of a whole lot of bad. There's there's a lot of good, and it's cool seeing how people are fighting for that right now. Yeah. And fighting to let those moments of light be what are most important, rather than the darkness that seems to be around us. So. You know, one of the things I saw, I saw a video for it on St. Pat's. I thought it was pretty cool, and I've seen people emulate it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Being social with your neighbors I saw a, a picture of a bunch of guys having a beer in the street, but they were all like 20 feet apart from one another in a big circle. Well, they're being out there being social, and they kept doing it. And then, of course, on St. Pat's, they all went out with their Irish whiskey, same thing, having a St. Pat's party. I saw uh, a video of a bonfire in somebody's backyard, and other neighbors saw it. They started their own bonfires. Nobody went to anybody else's bonfire for obvious reasons, but they were all kind of hooting and hollering over the fences and across the streets at one another, you know, sharing in something. You know, right now we're all, we got the the, the Twins World Series is being re-aired on one of our radio stations. Uh, I'm kind of thinking about tonight having a bonfire, going out and cranking it up. I mean, I remember, tonight is game two of the 91 World Series re-aired, obviously, and it's a good game. I remember it. I remember listening to it, watching it, actually, for the very first time live. I'm going to relive it. I might have a bonfire. Maybe I won't, but we'll Excellent. see. And uh, if everybody was doing something like that, everyone's listening and sharing on the same thing, but in a totally different, separate, 
Zoom University kind of way. <laughs> hey, let's uh, let's switch gears here and talk about the impact this is having on production of movies that have yeah. yet to come, which was first made apparent when the new Mission Impossible movie had its filming halted in Italy when the coronavirus really broke out there. So what what do you think when it comes to the impact we're going to see on future movies, Dave? I think I think there's going to be a point where with these groups of people who are putting these movies together, I almost wonder will they be able to find ways to be able to or maybe they they're working in the cutting room right now on portions of these movies. I don't think it's going to I think in terms of the filming side, if they're in the midst of of that stage of the production, it could be pretty impactful in terms of the delay that will be made. But for those who are on the cutting room floor, I'm sure they're they're getting the time right now to be able to keep that churning along. But do you see this having a pretty big impact? Or do you think that with movies getting kicked back to next year, it's also creating a natural buffer for these films that are currently in production to have to continue with their process once we're able to get back to normal. Let's break down movie shows and movies in production. There's pre-production where they're doing all the groundwork before cameras roll. There's production, which is filming. And then there's post-production, editing and so forth. I think those that were in mid-production filming, just to talk, a TV show, for example, Stranger Things. We're talking about a lot of pubescent kids. You don't think six months, let's say it turns into six months, is going to be a major difference for kids that are going through a huge growth? The before the coronavirus shutdown and the after coronavirus shutdown scenes are going to be stark. Don't think for an instant they won't be because they will be, whether someone's voice drops or whatever. You know, there's a huge example where I don't know how much they they shot prior to shutting down, how long it will be shut down, and then they pick it up from hair change style to just physical growth and alteration when you're you know, 13 or 14 years old, you almost change by the minute. The costume and makeup people, they are going to be earning every dollar of, of what they get paid to to get them to kind of maintain their look. If that's the case, if there's a divide in a show like that, like you said, as far as where their filming has been. Yeah. One of the things that a lot of people have been critical about um, – well, you and I criticized Star Wars here lately, so let's jump on to it. Might as well. We always find a way to circle back to Star Wars, and it occurred to me we haven't done that yet this show, so let's do it. The last, uh, the last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker in particular, Rise of Skywalker really seemed rush, and for obvious reasons we all know about, this would be a great opportunity for movies to have a little more time in the womb, so to speak, to to gestate and to develop into something good so that when it does get... How many times do we hear about a movie, well, they started filming without a finished script? It's rush, 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 oh. rush, rush. And I understand there's logistics and there's practicalities that make that be the necessity. Now it's not the necessity. You have all the time in the world and maybe more until we're ready to actually move this forward into pre-production, get it in front of the cameras. If anything now gets in front of a camera, well, they didn't have a finished script, that somebody is really not doing their job. Oh, I had the tones of Louis Armstrong going through my head when you said that line. <laughs> they've got all the time in the world, and if yep. you've already shot it, you're going to have, it could be mixed blessings. Sometimes you need to know when to step away, George Lucas, and let things just be what they are. And But if you're over-editing the bejesus out of things like James Bond, for example, there was a lot of speculation initially that maybe the reason they pushed it wasn't just coronavirus, but it's not coming together as well as they would like. So maybe this gives them a better chance in the editing room. 
to tinker, but might they, they tinker too much and then they overcook it and then it's, you know, it's overdone. So there's a risk. It could work for you. It could work against you. But things that were in mid-production, I think it'll be stark. It will. But like you said, having that time to marinate on it, it's kind of a nice thing in, in this time because when it comes to planning movies, it's funny how that has changed over time. Movies would get churned out on a semi-regular basis back in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. You could turn around and make movies pretty quick, it seemed, in those times. And yet, how is it that with, with those turnarounds, there's so much depth to those movies, it feels like? Like, take, for example, the uh, the quote-unquote Dollars trilogy from the 60s um, that Sergio Leone put together. Every movie, it seemed, was about a year apart from each other. Well, even and time- yet and yet there's so much depth to those movies. It's like this is amazing that the, that these spaghetti westerns got turned around on a pretty similar formula in many respects, and yet they they have so much depth to them and everything. And yet movies today there's a longer process in terms of time and yet it still does feel rushed in many respects like you said, but with the best ones it does often seem pretty common that there is a this is an idea that has been on the mind of the person who puts it together, usually the director, for years. Oh, yeah. And then it comes to full fruition rather than this is a cog in a wheel or this is a sequel that we feel has to come out. So let's rush this to the table. This is like you said, this is a rare instance of stopping and ruminating on it that maybe could be good for some of these movies. I don't think this is all a bad thing. I think that there is, I, I, I can't say, and I don't think anybody can say, this is what's going to happen. We really don't know what's going to happen. And I think there's a lot of good things this could happen. This could be a good thing for movies. This could be a bad thing for movies. This could be a good thing for us as a culture. It could be a bad thing for us as a culture. I'm more optimistic about this having a good silver lining. It's a, it's a pain in the butt to go through. I could say worse things, but it's a lot of it is how you step into it. And a lot of it is the way that you not only treat the situation, but the people around you in the situation. Well, there's so many people that don't think this is really a situation. They're going about their lives and having their choir practices and now people are dying because of it. So this is going to snap people back into that facts do matter. And that that regardless of what you want to do with your narrative, you can't create your own facts. You know, I don't think this is really a virus. It is. Now people are dead. You can't, you know, diagram for me how this is not true. So if I'm not going to think that this is really the case, it is the case. Science doesn't matter whether you think it is or it isn't. It is. Science proves it. It is. So when it comes to other things like once you realize that this is a real deal and you're going to take it serious and you're going to be confined at home, then what do you do? How do you look at it? Am I stuck at home? Or are you staying safe at home, staying away from things and doing your part not to spread things and being a part, realizing that you are a part of a bigger picture and the term symbiotic coming to mind, you know, we're all related. What happens to you happens to me. A lot of people don't get that, but eventually they will. Hopefully with minimal lesson, hopefully they will. They will. I guarantee you they will. Hopefully they'll just realize it with minimal collateral damage, but then it's over. And then what? Hopefully this is kind of a way to get this culture to realize, as much as I love the American culture, we're messed up. We just are. 
that we can realize there's better things in the smaller details, whether it's making breakfast at home and making it well or just going to get a robotic-made breakfast for you, no different than anybody. I mean, there's, there's, there's beautiful craft work out there, whether it's furniture and hand-carved mahogany or a McMovie on your device again, on your tiny little phone that you know is meant to be presented in CinemaScope but it's this tiny little three-inch screen, you know, you're missing something. There's just so much detail, you're just, you're just not picking up on it. Maybe we start to realize, I've missed so much. That's R- always been there. Rather than consuming a movie, taking in a movie. Exactly. Yeah. This, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. We kind of keep coming back to the rich culture of things, but this is kind of a way to force feed us, because we don't have any the other options, really. The TV man, the hungry man TV dinner version of life and movies and culture and home life. I look forward to coming home every day. And uh, some folks don't. Some folks just want to get the heck out of the house as fast as possible. And others are going to realize there's better things. And when they're finally allowed to do that, they're going to realize it. I, I hope. I think that's part of our optimism that you and I have, Dave, is, is that very aspect of it. Any other overarching thoughts that come to mind when talking about just this topic in general of coronavirus and the impact on the movies? I I think we've touched on most of the main ripple effects, at least that initially come to mind as far as going to the theater, the streaming side of it all. When is this going to break? As well as then talking about future movies and the impact on them as far as how production is coming together. Anything else that comes to mind that we haven't touched on? I love the quote from Jurassic Park by Ian Malcolm, a.k.a. Jeff Goldblum. Uh, I'll paraphrase it a little bit, but we were so enamored by our own creation and we were so wrapped up in the idea that we could have, nobody stopped for an instant to think whether we should have. And you know, streaming is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I don't think this is the case of nobody makes a buggy whip anymore because there's no buggies anymore unless you're, well, in Amish community, which many of you don't know is where Hoove is very close to anyway. Yes, I grew up around yeah. Amish. My around grandfather the, yeah. used to be Amish. So there, there's a market for that out there. But in Detroit, there isn't. That's where the motor companies are generally headquartered to. So the market for buggy whips is pretty much gone. You know, in favor of the internal combustion engine, which may give way to the electric hybrid engine or whatever the case is, an evolution there. Live shows and the alteration for that, the live shows have never gone away. Movie theaters didn't kill it. TV didn't kill the radio. Internet didn't kill the rest of things. You start Video to re- did not kill the radio star entirely. That's true. Movies are not going to go away, and I don't think the theaters are going to go away either. They're not the must-have go-to thing. But you have so many distributors on the video platforms that have just been determined to get their products out and streaming in front of as many people as possible. You don't realize that maybe that's not the best way to go. Yeah, but it's great for me because it makes me. Yeah, but it's not the best way to go. It's the same. It's it's a different way to look at this quarantine that we're into. It's not great for me to stay in the house, but it's what's best for everybody if I just kind of stay away as much as I can. Having everybody get their things homogenized through streaming is a wonderful thing. But maybe not all the time. And I'd like to see new things come out in a way to see them so they are big, bright, and new. And I'd love to see more revivals. If you have a 10-screen multiplex, 
One of those screens should show something that's a 30-year-old movie, but you never saw it like this. Yeah. I would love to see that. I'd probably be a bigger patron. I don't care if I saw the movie 95 times. Back to the Future, one of my all-time favorite movies. Just watch it again for the, probably legitimately, oh, I saw it a thousand times. Legitimately, I've probably seen it almost a hundred times. And I love it every time. And actually, I think the last time I saw it was with you, and we did the big trilogy party on the day of in 2015. That's right. But it, you know, seeing it on the big screen, saw it once on the big screen. Marvelous. And if it yes. ever came back out, guess who'd be there? Me, to see it for the 101st time. Exactly. I, that's the same kind of feeling that I had, like I said earlier, when I saw Lawrence of Arabia. On Suddenly the I'm thinking screen. of Apollo 13 with a big white moon floating into my field of view <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> yeah, we have people crossing in front grabbing some water from the water cooler here as we do this. But Since we are down the hall from one another, indeed. 17 feet apparently. Yes, but that's, like you said, Dave, that, uh, that would be really neat to see something like that come about. You know what was the other... Ian Malcolm quote that came to mind, life finds a way. Yeah. That, that line came to mind, too, when, when you mentioned about um, some of his lines there a little bit earlier. That one came to mind, too, and, and I think that that will remain true with, um, with all of this and the, the general response, as well as what comes after. I hope that, that the creative juices are flowing when it comes to what comes after. Because mine are flowing right now in terms of how do we go through this, you know, whether it's airing old Lumberjack broadcasts on the radio or hopping on online and posting funny videos of me doing commentary on everyday life uh, to practice my commentary skills during this time. Things like that, creative things. Like you said, the multiplex. Wouldn't it be fun doing something like that post all of this? You know, coming up with those kinds of, of ideas just... And in some ways, they may be revitalizing for those who are involved with them, not just in an economic sense, but also in a personal sense, too. You know, let me give you a a quick little story here. I think it might be a fun way to sum it up. Years ago, when I was a kid, uh, we have a family cabin, and we went up there. uh, I grew up in the Twin Cities, so this was in the Brainerd area. And we went up on, I think it was President's Weekend. I don't know, I was probably like in fourth grade at the time. And we got there, and the power was out. Some tree had come down somewhere, and power was out. Well, I don't know if we can make it here. We had a fireplace. We had a kerosene heater. We made it work. Long story short, we brought all the mattresses off of the beds into the back room and brought them all into the main room. We had the fire going all the time, cooked over the fire. We had snow outside, plenty of snow, so we could scoop it up and melt it and boil it. And It was, it was like living log cabin style, pioneering. We didn't have to, but we did. We really roughed it. And then the power company came and they turned the power back on. It was like something was lost. We almost had the option, well, maybe we just keep doing it like we've been doing it because it's been, it made it more special. This kind of thing is going to push everybody out of their comfort zones. The same old, same old routine ain't the same anymore. And even you and I, we're essential workers. So here we are back at work. But is it a normal day? I mean, we're 20 feet apart. <laughs> We're all sequestered into our own rooms. Nobody's allowed to look at anybody, let alone you know interact with anybody that's not in a different room. When eventually the day comes that we get to go back to the new normal, I don't think we're going to go back to the normal. I think it's going to be a different version. I don't think we're ever really going to go back to the way it was necessarily. 
people are being forced out of their comfort zones to find ways to entertain themselves, to ways to educate our kids with remote Zoom university and so forth. Everything has changed. When we're allowed to and able to go back, I think there's going to be to some degree a hybrid of people maybe carrying with them more what they're being forced to find now that they maybe wouldn't have otherwise. And a new appreciation for the things that had been around that aren't right now. There's people that every night for dinner they go and they eat out or they get takeout or whatever. And while you still can do this, maybe your place isn't offering that right now. So now you have to cook. You don't have to cook anything fancy, but you know we're going to fire up the grill. We're going to do it this way. That was kind of nice. Well, now we can go back to the takeout place. I don't know if I want to. I mean, at least not as often as I did. I've watched every movie on my little screen because I had to. Well, now I don't have to. I don't know if I want to for a while. I want to open it up. And what I'm trying to get at is I hope that this opens us up as a culture. We're also in our little bubbles. We all believe what we believe, and we will not be convinced otherwise. Now we're being forced to see that there are other ways and that things that we don't necessarily gravitate toward, well, we're limited in our options, so now we have to. Maybe this opens our eyes um, in a lot of different ways, culturally. Uh, just Let's just talk culture alone. Opens us up to shows that maybe we wouldn't have been drawn to otherwise. But I watched every episode of whatever the show, so I need to see something else. Yep. Well, I heard this is a great show. We'll go check it out. Maybe that grows an appreciation for, I don't know, the way things were, retro, a, an appreciation for the little things in life because the little things make just a little difference, maybe toward the better. I don't know. Well, Dave and I have certainly had an appreciation for the Bemidji Theater, our sponsor for Rick and Nick Talk. I miss Flicks. them. We do miss them. I'll be the one at the front door, like Lewis Tully from Ghostbusters. Somebody let me in! Yep. But much like James Bond, the Bemidji Theater will return. And we look forward to when it will, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. Yes, or like Arnold, it will be back, indeed. And that's the nice thing, since this is a podcast that you can listen to anywhere, they're right across the highway from the airport. So when you fly in from wherever you're listening, i got to see this Bemidji Theater. Yes, you should. Land the plane. You could walk from the terminal over to the airport if you really wanted to. You you can, yes. It'd be a little hike, but you could do it. You'd have to also deal with... The highway as well. It's a highway. If you ever crossed a street in Las Vegas, six lanes of traffic each way, people take a taxi to cross those roads. Of course, now they built all the skyways. But anyway, it didn't used to be like that. You could cross a highway, especially with all the lack amount of traffic these days. Yes, as Danny Ocean said in Ocean's 13, the place has changed. I'm yes. thinking of the movie Bowfinger, if you ever saw that scene with Eddie Murphy running across the freeway. Oh, my word. <laughs> oh, you! I can just tell you never saw it. I will bring it You because I, I have it at home on DVD. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Uh, whatever your situation right now is looking like, we hope you are safe. We hope you are doing well. And we hope that your appetite for going and enjoying the movies in person is continuing to grow in this time, but that you're taking the time, whether it's with family or whoever you are staying with in, in kind of your living, in whatever your living situation is like right now, whether it's having roommates or your family, we hope that you are getting a chance to enjoy your own cinematic experiences to help make the time a little bit better. And right wash now. your hands, you filthy animal. Good reminder. A good public service announcement courtesy of Mr. Home Nick. Alone. Yes, and Mr. Rick, although 
they're they are certainly locked down right now. With the pool, right? The now pool now it's converted into the stay away bunker. That's right. <laughs> Rick and Nick's crazy go away quarantine clubhouse. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm not they they can do whatever they want. I don't I mean, <laughs> at this point they kind of do whatever they want, and we're left to pick up the pieces of this, which is supposed to be their handiwork. Well, we are good janitors. We are. I, I like to think we are, yeah. yes. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. Thanks for joining us, and we will, at some point in the future, see you at, at the, the movies. movies.